The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Uh, we're in Luke 5. We're going to look at verses 1 to 11. Luke 5, 1 to 11. That's on page 860 in your Bibles. Luke 5, 1 to 11. Let's hear the word of the Lord. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He, that's Jesus, asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. And followed him. This is God's word. Well, it's easy to live a casual life for Jesus Christ. It's easy to merely just respect Jesus as a good teacher. It's easy to say Jesus has good things to say about life, uh, things about uh, doing unto others and living for, for God and living out the golden rule. But also it's easy for us when with all we have to do in our lives, you know, with work, bills, school, family, health issues, things like that, we can begin to find ourselves trying to squeeze Jesus into our schedule where, where we can and when we can. That's very easy to do, and I'm guilty of doing that as well. And when we have made Jesus part of our schedule and not Lord of our schedule, that's when I and we have fallen into casual Christianity. Casual Christianity, sure, it respects Jesus, but it doesn't give him his proper place and worships him as Lord of all. Now, what would motivate you and me on a daily basis to live for Christ every day with that passion that makes him Lord of all? Would you like to have a no-fail antidote for casual Christianity? All right, well, today's text is for casual Christianity. And there's three areas that are going to help us overcome our casualness. Three things need to happen. The first is we need to encounter God's holiness. 
realizing that he is the holy God. We are sinners in need of a savior. Secondly, we need to realize his mercy. Jesus Christ really did die on the cross. Jesus Christ really did rise again. And he does offer salvation to you. It's a fact. And we need to realize the truth of his mercy, his great love for us every single day and accept it. And thirdly, we need to embrace his call as Lord of all. So again, the antidote is to encounter the holiness of God, realize his mercy, embrace his call as Lord of all. Well, let's look at our story today in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to encounter Simon Peter. And he is going to, first of all, he is going to really encounter the holiness of God for the first time. Well, our story takes place at Lake Gennesaret. It's a lake in northern Israel. And it's a freshwater lake. People pull fish out of this lake so they can eat. And so on this lake, it's kind of a unique way to fish. What they do is, if you're going to catch fish on this lake, because the way things work, the fish don't come up in the daytime. In the daytime, when it's hot, because we're in the Middle East, right? It's hot. And so with the sun beating down on the upper layers of the lake, the fish are going to retreat down to the bottom, lower levels of the lake, right? Where it's cool. And then at night, as the water cools off and all that vegetation that's been growing all day long, it's going to start growing, and that's when the fish come back up. And so that's when the fishermen know they can go into the shallows with their nets. When the fish come back up at night, they can put out their nets and bring in a great, and try and catch fish. And for how many centuries do you think this was kind of the process on this lake? Quite a few. You could probably, if you said uh, this happened for thousands of years, you'd probably be guessing right. Well, our friend Peter is a fisherman. He's grown up on this lake. He knows fishing. He doesn't always know where the fish are. But his livelihood, his knowledge, and who he is as a person is all wrapped up in what he does as a fisherman. He is about his career. And so on this one particular day, we find Peter on the shore of Lake Gennesaret. He's been out all night the master fisherman who has done everything he knows to go to the right spots on the lake and go to, and do the right things of his technique of going out with two boats and putting out a net and dragging it in and then pulling in the fish. And here the master fisherman sits that morning on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, skunked. No fish. That means for that day, no money. And so here he is cleaning his nets. And along comes Jesus of Nazareth with a buzzing, excited crowd around him. Now, Jesus wants to teach the people, and he sees the two boats. They're empty. So he automatically climbs into one of the boats, Simon Peter's boat. And Jesus says to him, pull out into the lake. Pull out just a little bit, because with some help, they pull out just a little ways from the shoreline, right? And it makes a perfect little amphitheater to speak from. Because in that part of uh, Gal the, the sea, most likely if it was near Capernaum in that area, in the northern part, there's slopes that come down to the lake. And so Jesus can sit in the front of a boat, the, vo the sound waves will bounce off the water and go up onto the hillside where everybody would be standing and they could hear him perfectly. Great setting for teaching God's word. So 
Jesus proceeds to teach the word of God. Peter's sitting there in the boat and he's hearing all this. And so Peter knows Jesus. He's met him a few times. I mean, he's, uh, uh, he's seen him at the synagogue. Remember in, uh, in the previous chapters in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus spoke at the synagogue. He even with the, had the authority to cast out a demon after the service. He came to Peter's house even and sat there. And uh, before they could eat, Jesus cast out the fever that uh, Peter's mother-in-law was suffering from. And it was a high fever. And most likely, a high fever like that probably had a high mortality rate in those days. And Jesus commanded that fever to come out of Peter's mother-in-law. And not only did she feel well enough to wake up, she fixed dinner for everybody. So Peter knows Jesus. And he respects him. And now the teaching is done. And in in verses 4 and 5, he says, And when he, Jesus, had finished speaking... He said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let the nets down. Let down the nets. What do you think Peter is thinking right now? We've been talking about how, when's the right time to fish on Lake Gennesaret? In the nighttime, not, certainly not the middle of the day. Do you go out into the deep part to catch the fish? No, you go into the shallows. So what do you think Peter is thinking right now? Jesus, I respect you for all you know about God and theology and things like that. But Jesus, I got it. He's thinking you really don't know about fishing. But nevertheless, because he respects Jesus, he said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let you down. What would you be thinking? Would you be thinking any different? Possibly. Well, we have the rest of Scripture, so we know differently. But uh, so when they had, uh, in verses uh, 6 and 7, it says, And when they had done this, meaning they'd gone out and cast the nets, something amazing happened. Probably the most historic catch of fish in the history of Lake Gennesaret happens. They enclose a large number of fish, and their nets are breaking. They signal to their partners in the other boat to come out and help them, and they come and fill up both boats so much that both the boats began to sink. Now things are going to start changing in Peter's mind, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think now something is going on here? This Jesus maybe is something a little bit more than just a great teacher. And the light is starting to come on. If Jesus knows where the fish are, even when they're not supposed to be there, that's a pretty godlike quality, wouldn't you think? That's pretty godlike. Then, to have a massive school of fish gather in one place, who could command that kind of activity in nature? Who? Not even Jacques Cousteau can pull that off. Peter knows he is in the presence. This is the divine right here. And so he starts to see Jesus in a whole new way as the light comes on. And so as he looks at the, the catch, he looks at the, who Jesus is, and if he realizes that he's in the presence of the divine God, and he is a sinner 
who had just been thinking some kind of maybe sarcastic, distrustful thoughts about this person in the front of his boat, suddenly Peter's sin is starting to mount up in his heart and his mind as he's standing in the presence of the holy God and he knows that he is really in a bad spot. A good spot being in God's presence, but because he is a sinner, how do you think you'd feel? He knows it down to his bones that he's a sinner. And so seeing the amazing catch of fish, like you saw in the scripture, today's scripture, he fell down at Jesus' feet and he says to him, depart from me for I am a sinner, O Lord. Well, what was Peter's real sin here? What do you think it might have been? Well, perhaps it had been that he had compartmentalized Jesus. Do we do that? Jesus, you're okay for theology. You're okay for Sunday mornings, Christmas, Easter. But what about the rest of my life? And do you think maybe Peter was really cognizant of the fact that maybe now he was in the presence of God who is not only master of theology, but he's also the master of fish, the natural world, and should be, by rights, the master of Peter as well. So do you see how Peter's encounter with the holiness of God can be an antidote to casual Christianity? Is Peter being casual right now (laughs) on his knees before Jesus? Well, no. Well, now the next thing that needs to happen is Peter needs to realize God's mercy. And so here Jesus is sitting in the front of the boat. Peter's kneeling before him saying, I am so toast. I am a sinner in the presence of God. Depart from me, I'm a sinner. What does Jesus say? He responds with love and he responds with mercy. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. And what Jesus is saying is saying, Peter, don't be afraid of me. This is why Jesus came, isn't it? To receive sinners. And so at this very moment, then Peter encountered the very real holiness of God. And also then Jesus gives him mercy, real deep, true mercy. Well, how do you and I know we can receive Jesus' mercy? Well, as we've been talking about earlier, it's the cross of Christ. The wonderful act of mercy that God performed for us so that we could realize the mercy of God is to accept the truth of Jesus Christ's life, death on the cross for our sins, and his resurrection. Because he, uh, he who knew no sin, he became sin for us. He took our indifference, thinking that we were not sinners who didn't need a savior. He took our, our patronizing attitude that maybe sort of respected him, respected him maybe somewhat. He took our compartmentalizing of him that says, okay, God, you're here, okay, here, but you're not okay all these other places in my life. He took our easy tendency to slip into casual casual Christianity. 
and he took all of our sins, all of our mistakes, and he died for, and for our sins. He rose from the grave, and now he's calling to you and to me. Whatever casual attitude we've had in the past toward him, he's saying, hey, it's all right. Come. Jesus is saying, come to me, receive my mercy, receive my salvation. So we need to encounter his holiness, realizing that he is the holy God, know that we're sinners in need of a savior. But then we need to realize his mercy, realizing that we can have that forgiveness in Christ because he invites us. He invites us in. And we can know that we have his mercy through his life, death, and the resurrection. The resurrection, certainly, that tells us we've received his mercy if we will believe on him. Well, let me tell you how that kind of happened for me. I was raised a Methodist, and my mom and dad took me to church every Sunday. I was baptized in the Methodist church. I went to confirmation in fifth grade. Anybody ever been to that kind of experience? That kind of thing? Yeah, there you go. And, uh, and so... I respected Jesus. I went every Sunday. I knew all the, 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 um, the, most of the creeds, most of them, most of the creeds, to be honest, not all of them. But I certainly respected Jesus, and I thought I was living a respectable Christian life for Christ. He was good on Sunday, but I had the rest of the week. Well, I was about 16 at the time, and I had two friends. Just the same as I was. They were lost, sinners, having fun, thinking about the only things that 16-year-olds think about, 15, 16-year-olds think about. But they, are, they had an older sister that went to a church, and so they had a, a special you know, weekends. They go off you know, for a Christian camp. So a one-weekend Christian camp. And so I was doing my regular thing, and my two friends go off to that camp. Great. So they come back. But my friends are suddenly different. At this camp, they had encountered the holiness of God. And they had, they had, uh, taken, they had realized Jesus' mercy. And they had accepted and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they were different. They were different. For me, this was the miracle. These two guys I know pretty well. I know they're, they're as bad as I am. But now they came back on fire for Christ. They were worshiping Jesus as Lord of all. And I realized that I respected him, but I didn't have him. So later on that week, we went to, I was invited to a Christian rock concert down at a church called Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. I saw a band called Resurrection Band. And afterwards, they had an altar call. And, the, and this surfer-type dude named Randy got up there, and he gave a message and said, you need to... Give all of your life to Jesus Christ. All of it? Wow. Okay, that's kind of like what happened to my friends. They gave all of it. So I went down front at the altar call, and they asked me if I was a backslider or if I was a first-timer. Well, uh, what are Methodists allowed to be? I don't know. Anyway, but so I said, uh, I guess I'm a backslider. I don't know. I and sort of made a commitment there, and, and, but then later in the week, I was at home, really thinking about the events, my friends, uh, the word of God talking about having to respect Jesus as Lord of all. And then uh, that weekend, uh, on a weekday here in uh, April of 1980, Jesus Christ became real to me and Lord of all. So I have had the opportunity to encounter his holiness 
and then realize his, his mercy, his grace and his mercy for me. He received me, a sinner, a idolatrous, uh, covetous, um, uh, compartmentalizing, respectful Methodist sinner. And he gave me new life. And so ever since then, I've been working to make him Lord of all of my life. And as you know, and sometimes in the Christian life, sometimes we get busy and sometimes we forget. And so we need to keep remembering to make him Lord of everything. So, so far we've talked about um, encountering his holiness uh, and, also, and uh, appropriating his, his, uh, his mercy for us, realizing his mercy for us. And then now we need to embrace his call as Lord of all. Now, in verse 10, Jesus has said to Peter, after he's been on, uh, on his knees before him, he says, don't be afraid. And now we hear Jesus' call on Peter's life. Heretofore, the sinner who had not been trusting Jesus now trusts Jesus. And so Jesus receives him. And now Jesus says to him, from now on, Peter, you will be catching men. And some translations read, from now on, you'll be catching men alive. Now, let's finish the story. And uh, then in verse 11, when they had brought their nets to land, they left everything and followed him, him being Jesus. Jesus called and gave Peter a mission. And as we know from the rest of Scripture, the remainder of Peter's days were on mission. He was fulfilling the mission, that calling that God placed on his life. I mean, even on the day of Pentecost, G, uh, Peter preaches in Jerusalem and 3,000 come to faith in Christ as a result of his, his preaching. And then he was on the rest of his days, as you know, he um, was about catching men, women, girls, and boys alive for Jesus Christ. And now, we have that great privilege also of embracing his call for us. We have an honor of moving from sinners who don't deserve his grace to now children of God who have received his grace. And even more so than that, we are now partners with the eternal God on a mission to reach the world for him. Now, when are we on a mission? When does that mission take place? Well, we need to embrace his call as Lord of all. And when are we on mission? Always. When is Jesus not Lord of your life? I hope that you will always make him Lord of your life. And he, we are on mission during our uh, family time, work time, our uh, social engagements, our fun time, and certainly at church time. And also, this mission never changes throughout our lifetime. When we're single or when we're in a relationship, whether we're married or not, whether we've got kids with us or without kids, when we have our fabulous career happening or when we don't have our super fabulous career happening, when we're in the money and we're out of the money, the mission continues. When I feel good and when I don't feel good, I am still on this mission for Jesus Christ. Now, talking about encountering God's holiness and then realizing his mercy 
and then embracing his call. The Apostle Paul really kind of summed it up this way. And what a great scripture verse that we can hang this on. These three principles. It's in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8, 9, and 10. In Ephesians 8 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. There we have encountering the holiness of God. There we have um, realizing his mercy, accepting his gift of salvation. And now we have this wonderful relationship. We don't have to be afraid of him who loves us like no other. And now he invites you and me to put our full faith and trust in him and follow him on the mission he has for us. In verse 10, he says, for we are now his workmanship. We are new creations created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's the mission which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So now we have our mission. And so can you see how this might be the antidote for being tempted to easily fall into casual Christianity. We need to encounter the holiness of God. Know we're sinners, not deserving of his grace, but then realizing his mercy that he freely gives us, his mercy and his grace. And then now we need to embrace that call that he places upon us to follow him, to gladly receive the privilege and the honor of being on a mission. Let me ask you, Where are you on that spectrum? Have you encountered the holiness of God? Do you more than just respect him? Do you see him as the awesome, holy, eternal God who went to the cross for you and who lives again is now inviting you? Have you realized his mercy? Will you realize his mercy and realize that his invitation of forgiveness and love and gr the grace that he's shown you is very real and you can have it. And now will you embrace his call as Lord of all in your life? Will you surrender your whole life, your whole schedule, every part of it, and put it under his lordship and serve him on his mission that he's called you to? Well, my hope for you and for me as we think about these antidotes for casual Christianity, we'll make that real for our lives every day. Start your morning before you open up your eyes. May a prayer be your first thing that you do before you even open your eyes. Talk to Jesus. Realize he is the holy God. Realize how much you need him. Understand that you are now saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You are a new creature. His mercies are new every morning. Amen? And now you can come to him and say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for being my savior. Lord, I want to participate in your mission today, whatever that means. So, and it can be sharing the gospel during your day. Spending time with Jesus in prayer, reading his word, the Bible, worshiping him, gathering together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find meaningful ways to love your neighbor, help out with social justice issues, bring Christ's righteousness to the earth, bring, help people understand his love, his mercy, 
And then do what you can every day to follow that mission. Now that mission is going to take on a lot of different ways, isn't it? That's what's exciting. Throughout life, we're going to be manifesting the call or answering the call in a lot of different ways throughout our lives. But the mission still remains. So let's not be casual Christians. Let's protect ourselves from that. Let's, let's start our day encountering his holiness, realizing his mercy, and embracing his call to us as Lord of all. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.